With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Kev. It's hey. time for the show. Good to see you. What's going on, buddy? Oh, not much, not much. I'm uh, just uh, polishing Kev, and... Kevin, uh, what is that? What is that that you've... It's, uh, it's that a rifle. It's like a rifle. Yeah, it's, it's nice, isn't it? With, what are you doing with a rifle? Oh, oh my... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, you're never too um, prudent. Uh, some sometimes, you know, you get some people out there that uh, can really uh, overpower you. And but this is this is our studio. What in the world are you doing with no, a one? And you, wait you a minute! S- it looks like are you are you pointing that at me? No, no, God, no! Never, never do such a thing. But uh, you'll 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 see. You'll uh, you'll Ke- see. Kevin, should I should I be a little concerned? No, 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 no. Everything's okay. Just sit there. Just just sit. Uh, don't mind the big X there where no, you're sitting. That's you, uh, Kevin. I I don't know. I just feel a little anxious. I mean, this is the first time in all these years. Is, is there something going on that you haven't no, told me? No, not at all. I, Would I do such a thing? Well, I, I never thought you would. I'm, no, I would never do such a thing. Don't am worry. Am I okay, Kevin? You're absolutely fine. Are you sure. Yes, this is oh. this is for Christina. You know how she gets. Well, I I trust you, Kevin. Yeah, of you course. Know, you and I have always, you know, been kind of partnered. Kevin, Just I because there's a big bullseye on your chair doesn't mean anything. Just well, relax. Don't well, worry. We'll, well, we'll do a great show. What about Christina? No. Now, why, why are you blaming Christina for something? I'll let you know later. Uh oh. All right. Well, I'm. What is this X here, Kevin? <laughs> Hi, I'm Michael Sparks, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. You just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims That's something to be ashamed I'm an Coming at you from Hazy Easy, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I rented a lotto ticket and won a million dollars, but I had to give it back. <laughs> Joining me as usual is a team that knows it's a small world after all, but they're sure happy you don't have to paint it. Yeah, that would take a while. She has a quantum car. Every time she looks at the speedometer, she gets lost. Nancy. Easy to do. She'll tell you that drugs lead to nowhere, but at least it's a scenic route. Christina. It is, and it's fun. It's a fun route. <laughs> and her last job was to be a small claims court jester. Kirsten. Uh, yeah, they kicked me out of that one. <laughs> oh, ladies, welcome back. Good to hope be here. Had, hope you had a great week. I cuddled puppies. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Sounds like it's such a hard, hard life. I know. It's been a smoky week, but... It yeah, it's going to get uh, the whole freaking province is on fire. Yeah. So we'll have a great show today. Today we'll be talking to Eli Bosnick, and we'll have a mystery guest. Nancy, you're not allowed to know what it is. Uh-oh. Uh, but in the meantime, let's do a bit of chit-chat. But hey, before all that, we have a guest in studio. Woo-hoo. 
Hello, my buddy Ahmed. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good to see you. It's so good to see you. You have no idea. This warms my heart so much. This guy, I used to work with this guy, and we had so many great conversations. I have nothing but total admiration for this guy's intelligence and everything. Thank and you. Everything likewise. Uh, likewise. Well, we have, we've got a lot to live up to in this show, then. Don't well, yeah, we? we totally have this bromance <laughs> going on here between me and Ahmed. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah! <laughs> and I hear you get some. I'm gonna stay for a while after the show. <laughs> and and uh, you you get some great news. You just said that you're uh, you're expecting your wife is expecting. Yeah. Oh Congratulations, man! Thank you. Congratulations. How far along is she? Uh, she's we're expecting on November 11. Hopefully, oh, so right wow. Yeah, wow, that is great news. Yeah, that's congratulations. great. Congratulations! Thank you. That's going to be fun. And uh, Ahmed is here because today we're going to do something a bit different. Before the the whole interview with Eli, uh, we're going to have a, a, a bit of a roundtable discussion on Saudi Arabia and the whole thing that's been going on there. Oh, and I've got him, yeah. and I've got Majed Soliman coming a bit later on as well. We'll talk about that because these guys have a bit more expertise than you and I certainly do have on these matters. But first of all, uh, before I want to do all this, I got to talk about this one thing because we have... Mail time. Mail time. Yeah, we got some mail. I love it when we get mail. <laughs> we don't get a lot of mail, but we did get a, a piece of mail. And this is from John. Uh, he says, hi there. I'm an avid listener. Well, thank you, John, of the show. And so I would like to offer a polite correction from your recent episode from last week. Thank you, John. In it, you said that Samar Badawi, the woman recently arrested in Saudi Arabia, becoming the catalyst for the spat between the country and Canada, was the wife of Rhea Badawi. I did say that. And that was a mistake. Um, she's, in fact, Rafe Badawi's sister. And a Saudi national. He is quite correct. My bad. Totally my bad. Thank you so much, John. After her husband's arrest, she was eventually granted asylum in Canada because uh, she's an... Um, oh, sorry, I, I skipped a line here. Um, Badawi's wife is in Saf Hater. And after her husband's arrest, she was eventually granted asylum in Canada because she is an activist too. She currently resides in Sherbrooke, Quebec, with her th three children as a taking Canadian citizenship in the last few months. You, he's completely right. I hope you don't mind me sticking my nose. Uh, keep up the great work. John, thank you so much for this. You're absolutely right, sir. I, my bad, my bad. It's on me. Oh, we, we appreciate John. John, we really appreciate no, you yeah. taking well, the time and listening so carefully to the details. Man, you're a great listener. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John just said the half of what I was going to hear coming here to say, so I think it's done. <laughs> well, there we go. Show's done. Show's done. <laughs> Thanks, <Show's> John. Done. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's bring in our, uh, our second guest, Majed, there. And there he is. He's online with us. Majen, how are you doing, buddy? It's been so long. Not too bad, Kev. How are you doing? Oh, you know, it's always a pleasure to have you as well, of course. And uh, I brought Thank you, you so and Ahmed today because both of you guys are Egyptian nationals from birth. And uh, and uh, although we couldn't get anybody from the kingdom of Saudi Arabia well, to come in, that's like it's a bit like asking the Canadian what's going on in the states. Now we're asking the Egyptian what the hell is going on in Saudi Arabia. But you know, I lived for in you Saudi did for eight you years, did. right? Yeah, right you, before I came to Canada. So so the, this is one of the reasons why both of you guys are here because you can give us actually the lowdown of what the hell is going on over there. Yeah. But first, let's do our, our our normal chit chat of all the stuff that's been going on during the week. Um, okay. I guess let's start with some bad news, I guess. The Queen of Soul died, oh, Aretha mm. Franklin. But her, her spirit mm. and her music will live on forever. Yeah, I mean, 
the woman was so brilliant. Uh, she she was probably one of the greatest artists and singers we've ever seen ever. Yeah. And uh, it's it's amazing to see the love that was poured out towards you know when you think soul you don't think of it as a super popular style of music but. Well, it, it it depends on the part of the country and so forth. I I think she she probably represented soul better than anybody. I mean, she was absolutely the, yeah. the epitome and had many admirers and, and many people that tried to imitate her style, but she was yeah. singular. I mean, so some people some people are saying she she's bigger now than she's a bigger legend now than even Elvis was. I think so. And it's just amazing to think. I mean, I was watching the video uh, where she uh, goes to the Kennedy Center Honors in 2015. This is like three years ago at the age of 73 because she was 76 when she passed away this week. And she sits at the piano and plays and gets up and sings. It's like uh, Barack Obama, the president, was there at the time. And my God, the power of this woman's voice is just... He cried. Yes. And it's almost... You almost can't help you. I was like, yeah. God. Even if you're not a, a, a fan of soul, it's just absolutely amazing to see her go. And yeah. what a shame. Well, rest yeah. in peace for, for the Well, let's Aretha all Franklin. be glad she was here as long as she was. Yes, yes. exactly. Um, in other news, the, <laughs> did you guys hear the, uh, the one about the Arkansas courthouse? They uh, they unveiled an eight foot <gasps> statue of Baphomet. Yes, I love it. Oh, it makes yes. me happy. <laughs> this is Arkansas. They passed a motion to put to in, uh, put the Ten Commandments on the uh, on the courthouse steps there, and basically the Satanic Temple decided to go and said, "Well, if yep. you're going to do that, then we have the right to put on a statue of Baphomet," and they did. And they and they absolutely do have the right. They and, absolutely do. And the Arkansas legislator never saw. I guess they never saw this coming. You know that. They thought, oh, good. How we'll could they not see it coming? Yeah, they've been talking about it for the last couple of years. They, they have. I, I, yeah. think, I think they were just saying that they're not going to actually do it, and boom, all of a sudden, there it is. Yeah, and it's and it's a nice statue. It's very nice. It, it is a nice mm-hmm. statue. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I find funny now is the, uh, inadvertently, by putting the statue of Baphomet there, it gives credibility in a way in a, a very strange, obscured way, to all the crackpots out there that are saying the satanists, uh, the, the satanists are taking over the world and the pedophiles and all that. Well, yeah, well, they're already saying it. <laughs> so, well, I, I hope the satanists take over. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Majed, I love it when you're on the show because you're just like cursing. You don't say a lot, but when you say something, it's just gold every time. <laughs> Now, I'm, I'm, I, want, I really am, am enthusiastic to, to find out the consequences. Yes, of, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. And, well, uh, they, they've been playing that card for a long time too, right? Like they, they would go with, uh, with, uh, with a guy, like one of their priests, that would actually ask uh, during a, an official council to pray a satanic prayer. Yes. yes. I don't know if you have seen that before. I but. totally oh, yeah. have. No, we, we, we admire them. They are on the forefront of separation of church and state like, like no other organization. But, They're but great. like Majed was saying, there was this one guy, and it's, it's so yeah. brilliant because it's almost a show, and he shows up with a dark robe and the dark robe. <gasps> yeah, exactly. oh, he's about to do an invocation, and all the Christians stand up and open their Bible, and then they start yeah, exactly. counting. Yeah, like, like counter counter spells, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was phenomenal. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. 
Okay. And something more Canadian. Uh, did you guys hear that the conservative MP Michelle Rempel basically said, quote, fact checkers are part of the government conspiracy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no. It's a spin tool against conservative. Because she said that because there's uh, an outfit called the Canadian Press, which is a private agency, and they have what they call a baloney meter. In other words, whenever a politician says something, they go check the baloney meter, whether it's true or not. <laughs> and she says, no, that's part of a big government conspiracy. They're controlled by Justin Trudeau somehow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, the politics of Trumps are trying to make their way right here in the Canada. And speaking of Canadian MP, did you guys hear about Maxime Bernier? He criticized the liberals for, quote, extreme multiculturalism. He basically said that Trudeau's cult of diversity will divide us into little tribes. That was what? a tweet. Yes. He's basically, yeah, he, he, he this is, Bernier, of course, is the MP that challenged uh, Andrew Scheer for the leadership. He lost, but he's always been a, a big name in the Conservative Party. Um, his, uh, he, he had a portfolio as a critic, and he was removed for that portfolio in June. And now people are saying the, the, the Conservative Party is actually distancing themselves from what he said, saying... <laughs> You're kind of crossing the line yeah, there. Well, especially when Canada is built on multiculturalism. Yeah, exactly. Like, Canada doesn't have a solid, like, we've been here for thousands of years. This is who we are. We're like, no, we're, we're everyone. Yeah. We are yeah. everyone. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to watch where that goes. I know you're keeping an eye on that. I know I, for sure. <laughs> I haven't heard about it before, but I will now. Oh, yeah. Um, Laurentian University, Dr. Michael... Uh, Persinger, you guys know him? No. Dead at the age of seventy-three, he's no. the guy who invented the God helmet. I don't even know what that is. That's the. He, oh, what's the God helmet? The the God helmet is he did is it some like Magneto. It was sort of, <laughs> sort of. It, it was it was uh, an experiment they did with magnetism, and he had put a helmet on, and with manipulating the brain, he can make you feel that God feeling. That, oh, that, that is cool. That that experience oh. of that revelation experience. And the, this is why it gave huge, you know. That is so cool. Remove the credibility of all these people that are saying they have this God experience when you can actually reproduce the experience in the lab. Yeah. Yeah. He died this week at the age of 73. That's so sad. And, I'm sorry. And good news um, Trinity Western University dropped their covenant. Yeah, at last. Yep. That's good. That you know the covenant that they said you know there is no uh, there's no sex out. You gotta sign the covenant if you're gonna be a student here. But there's no sex uh, sex outside of marriage, heterosexual yeah. marriage, and, and uh, you can't even date stuff like that. All of a sudden, they decide they lost in court. Okay, fine, we'll drop the covenant. Yeah, I mean they were forced into it, but overall, it's a, it's a good move. Exactly. So big, yeah. big victory for us. Um, now, to to the interesting part of that is that that's only for students. The faculty is still bound by the covenant. Mm. That so is interesting. let's see where that goes. Yeah, that is interesting. So your TWU students, you can go back on date night now. That's well, right. they don't date, they court. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, you lady. We shall court you with roses. <laughs> Uh, internationally, the Boston Globe uh, convinced over 100 papers to do editorials against Trump's war on the press. And that happened on the 16th. Did you guys catch a, a, bit, a bit of a glimpse of that? Yeah. I didn't. It did make a big wave, but it's the press basically fighting back against Trump's stupid quote of saying Good. the press is the enemy of the people. Yeah, each newspaper, each media outlet could have their own statement. It wasn't as though yeah, they, yeah. they had a unified statement about 
freedom of the press, and, and this is a pushback against uh, Trump's enemy of the people, but it shows that there's a vibrant, live, free press, and fingers crossed mm -hmm. that they will always be that way, and, and Trump isn't going to uh, try to undermine them and to to shut them down because the Republican Party sure isn't going to no. push back if he if he tries to do that. No, no, exactly. So I'm, I'm glad to see that. And, you, yeah. you know, for people that might even slightly agree with Trump, the press is not the enemy of the people. The press is the immune system of a democracy. Mm -hmm. When the press yeah. doesn't yep. do its job, you get a sick democracy really, really quick. And yeah. when there is yeah. no press, democracy dies. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And, of course, we got to talk, of course, about the... Huge revelation oh. about the Catholic Church abusing yeah. over a thousand kids mm -hmm. by about three hundred priests in Pennsylvania. That's like, that's Pennsylvania in one alone. Alone, state. Pennsylvania alone. That's one, one state. One state, not yeah. a big state. Well, wasn't it fifty-nine priests in Pennsylvania? No, it was over three hundred apparently. Three hundred wow. predatory priests. This was a report by a grand jury. It covered six yeah. of the eight dioceses in 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 the in the, uh, in the state. The report yeah. comes after the resignation of Cardinal McCarrick. Uh, one in four residents is Catholic in Pennsylvania. Mm. Uh, they reviewed about 500,000 secret documents that from the mm -hmm. churches, and um, and apparently the majority of these uh, these uh, molestation and slash rape occurred before 2002, because in 2002, uh, what they did is the church installed new guidelines saying you had to report abuse to police. So it's it's kind of nice to see that that guideline seemed to have worked to some extent, mm -hmm. but the damage had already been done. Mm -hmm. Well, part, part of the problem in Pennsylvania is that there's only a two-year statute of limitations. Yes. So Wait, that if a six-year-old six is yep. abused by the priest, by the time he's eight, he, can, he or his That's family insane. can no longer file yep. charges. That's so wow. now there, there's a movement, of course, to uh, extend that or perhaps have Get no, rid of it. no limit. Because a six-year-old, yeah. what can a six-year-old... And from what I read, and, and, and I hear Majed agreeing with me, so he probably knows this as well, is that the priests know, knew that there was a two-year yes. limit, and they did everything yeah. they could to prevent the children from, you know, telling their, wow. telling their family. Well, of course. So they, yeah, they not only did the, the, the cover-up, they did the crime, they did the cover-up, and, the, and then they tried to get away with it by being sent to other parishes. That's... I mean, the whole thing is sickening. That's yeah. disgusting. How yeah. how is it only two years? Yeah, uh, it, 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 it gets it gets even worse. It gets even worse. Yeah. Uh, Bill Donahue, who is the uh, the defender of the Catholic lead, basically decided to defend the priest by saying, "If there's no penetration, there's no rape." Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> the Vatican yeah. this very morning, as we're talking, uh, basically issued finally issued uh, a statement saying uh, they feel shame and sorrow, and they vow to root out this tragic horror. Uh, and then they basically said uh, they f decided to forgive the priest right away because, quote, forgiveness is at the heart of Catholicism, oh, along of with absolution of sin that is that never needs to reach the paper, the planet's papers. Yeah. That's why Satanists should take over, man. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I, I, you know, it, it's like the third rail. If this was a Boy Scout organization, if it was a sports organization, the coaches or the leaders would be in jail so fast mm -hmm. your head would swim. 
But all of this has happened over and over and over, and the priests are still walking around, yeah. able to to exactly. b- perpetuate, you know, this this kind of sexual abuse. I, They've I, got to go to court and get thrown into jail. I frankly don't understand somebody that can be Christian right now, or or if you want to really pick Harris or, or Catholic, because frankly, if like you said, if this was any other kind of organization, a, a political uh, club, a, a sports club, you would have resigned, and uh, you know, you would have given back your 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 membership in in, in disgust. It was that there's no way in hell I'm going to be part of these shenanigans. Exactly. But yet the faithful are still filling in the churches. You know, it's like, what the hell's wrong? With and bringing their children. And yeah. bringing their children. And exactly. I'm just going to jump back to an earlier thing you mentioned. It is so disgusting when people petru- perpetuate the idea that if someone didn't, like, rape you, then it's not abuse. Yeah. Like, that idea is so toxic and so, like, it, it's so many people in Christianity think it. Because like so my there, my family, no level, there is no level. There are no levels of harassment. Well, yeah, it's, no, even 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 if or, or not, like they molest you. Oh, they didn't put their penis in your vagina. It's then not it's actually okay. abuse. Mm-hmm. Like seriously, yeah, uh, it makes me so mad. Yeah. Uh, of course, we could probably see in the next few weeks, months happening ahead. There's probably going to be some articles coming out saying how some hush money is being paid, mm-hmm. stuff being settled out of court. Did, I'm just going to jump here for a sec, but did you hear that they're wanting to release the names of uh, everyone? No, I did not hear that. Yeah, they're wanting to make everybody's names public, yeah. like all the well, users. I think they should. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. They should. Especially because so many of these people aren't going to be actually prosecuted. And like, of course, let know, everyone exactly. know. You know full well that these priests are just going to be removed and then shipped out to probably South America yeah. somewhere. And put in South America because his kids there don't matter. Yeah, yeah exactly, so. exactly. Or Africa. Or Ooh, that sense chills down I my know, spine, my shit. Yeah. This is this is exactly. Remember that when we went to see that movie, yeah. uh, Spotlight. Spotlight. Yeah. If you haven't seen the movie Spotlight, I really, really highly recommend that. This is Spotlight 2.0. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It really is. It's uh, the continuation, right? Except yeah. it's in Pennsylvania, and said that one was in Boston. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's disgusting. How anyway. do you do? You happen to remember? What happened? Did, those, did any of those priests actually get put into jail, or were they shipped out? They were shipped out. They were shipped. If out I remember correctly, them. yeah, most yeah. of them were shipped out. Uh, so the, usually, the, the Vatican's really quick at moving in, and okay, you're packing your bags and going now before the authorities can well, actually well, come in. Well, you know what's funny? I have a sister who goes to a Catholic church, and she has problems with Disney because she thinks they have the promoting gay agenda. Yeah. But well, not the gauge, and she thinks like they're like promoting like pedophilia. Or she's weird about that. But what? then, but then she's going to a Catholic church, and I'm like, are you insane? <laughs> <laughs> like, I what is going through your mind? <laughs> oh, my mouse is like this. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I read that the that 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 Pope Frank you know has condemned this but they they don't move in any other direction <sighs> they issue the condemnation yeah yeah but then words what's are the meaningless if actions you know? don't follow exactly and they need to do some they need to take some action against this this is absolutely ridiculous exactly allow them to get married yeah exactly i think I, like I, I said i think it was last week i think i think they will realize in the future then you know one of the biggest problems these religions have always done is forcing celibacy it's like, you know, they yeah. allow these priests to get married and have some normal dates well, and wives and stuff like that. You might eliminate the problem altogether. Well, or, I, I don't think it's celibacy per se, but but like the, the sexual culture 
Mm. Um, the way the way they like push back on sexual freedom and um, and how people should behave, like and this this abstinence thing just pushed people to their limits. And then I think the the other part of it is how the Catholic churches operate on absolute power. Yeah. Um, and this is where absolute corruption kicks in, and they do what they want to do, and they get away with it. Yeah. 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 I uh, know. I absolutely agree. Perfect. Well, enough of the bad news and all that. <laughs> let's 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 talk about what we're here to do today. Um, so I brought Ahmed and Majed because both you guys have some past. Uh, in the past, you used to live in Egypt. You're both Egyptian uh, by birth. Now you're Canadians, of course. And you guys have way more experience about the culture and how people react and how people feel. Uh, in the Middle East, and we do. We don't. I mean, I have no idea. So I thought that you guys could act as our experts and in in, in, <laughs> in our guides in the situation. So um, I guess uh, maybe I should start by asking, how do you guys feel about the whole situation, the whole thing that's been going on the spat between Canada and Saudi Arabia? You want to go first, Majid? Yeah, go ahead, Ahmed. Uh, you want to go? <laughs> All right. They're you truly Canadian. Oh, that's truly Canadian right <laughs> there. That's, you cannot be more Canadian than that. You <laughs> Proof of citizenship right there. <laughs> I, you go, okay, I'll no, go. you go. I'll go. I'll I, think, I think Saudi Arabia is just a, a big bully. That's what she is. And um, I think that Sal Ben Salman is um, like, he's he's doing what he wants to do. He tries to put that front of uh, being progressive and trying to, to change things. Um, but the truth is he's still operating on the same old um, no criticism allowed and whatnot. And then when he, he violates all those, uh, or, or the kingdom violates all those uh, human rights uh, um, ideals, if you will, He doesn't want anyone to be talking about it. He doesn't want any other country to be pushing around. And I believe that he picked on Canada for that reason. Uh, he doesn't have a lot to lose with um, exactly. with the trade deals and whatnot. Yeah. There's not a lot of things like there's. I think the on the news there was like four billion dollars um, of trade between Canada and Saudi Arabia. So for Saudi Arabia, it's not really a huge deal. No. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is, it's not even um, a big deal for us either. I know, but that's why he he chose like he he picked up on Canada because it's easy to set an example with a country that you don't have a lot of uh, interests with. So it's easy to set up an example for everybody else that I have zero tolerance for criticism, mm -hmm. and I would go apeshit if you just slightly uh, criticize anything we do in public. Uh, And uh, he's, uh, I think he's following Trump's uh, foreign policy doctrine in this. Like, oh, you, great. You uh, yeah, I, I, I really don't think this would have happened if Trump wasn't uh, in the White House. Do you think because, because he thinks that Trump's not going to say anything that automatically gives him permission? Well, first, yeah, because, because the relationship between Canada and USA at the moment is not at its strongest level. <laughs> That's and uh, probably Trump is probably happy about what's going on. He probably maybe even, he, he maybe even called some man and told him, yeah, show this Trudeau. Yeah. <laughs> show that son of a bitch. Show that Trudeau <laughs> with his nice yeah. hair what to do. And, and it, <laughs> it falls right within what 
Trump is doing with other countries, like look at what he's doing to Turkey at the moment. He's doing the exact same yeah. thing to Turkey, mm-hmm. uh, just over the matter of of one uh, of one American citizen for, that for, he wants to get released. For for we we know what you're talking about, but for the uh, the benefit of the audience, you want to briefly explain what's going on with Turkey? Uh, okay, I don't uh, I didn't want to very briefly, very yeah, I've heard the subject. But so uh, Turkey has been having some problems economically for the for the last year or two, but uh, there is a there is an American priest that's been living in Turkey for the last 23 years. And uh, in the last uh, coup attempt uh, to throw out uh, Erdogan in Turkey, uh, he uh, arrested thousands of people, including that uh, including the priest, th- that the priest uh, accusing him of being a spy. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, handling some communication between uh, Golan, who is the, who is the uh, Turkish guy, uh, Erdogan's opponent, who's living in the States uh, as an asylum uh, state. And he was... This golden guy is the one who coordinated the coup in Turkey, and Erdogan wants him. So he captured the priest, and he's he's willing to exchange the priest with Golan. So he told him, "I'll give you the priest. You give me Golan, and 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 that's the deal." But Trump said, "No, you'll give me the priest for nothing, absolutely nothing at all." <gasps> and uh, Erdogan said, "No." So he said, "Okay." So he so he uh, imposed all these tariff sanctions mm. on Turkey, yeah. over fifty percent on on steel and every all other Turkish ex, um, exports to the states. And it caused the Turkish lira to uh, to go on a downward spiral. Yeah, and and that's the that's the kind of foreign policy doctrine that he is setting up. He, yes, if if for the slightest things he can go absolutely bananas and he go to the extremes. He there's no there's no middle diplomacy. He just goes straight to the extreme. Yeah, you but can. I'll ask. just I'll just destroy you if this, you don't give me this simple thing. I'll destroy you. This is why I'm puzzled by this because uh, although it's only four billions to them, it's also 02 percent for us. Which you know it, it he went extreme, but the fact that he's pulling the students, the Saudi students, away from he's hurting his people way more yeah, than he's hurting us. No, he us. doesn't care about the students. He's treating them he, like. He does. Uh, he's throwing a temper tantrum like a child. Yeah, and I think he's, he's treating them like they are cattle. Basically, he's bringing them back to the barn. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's always like a ch- like like a chess board. People are chess pieces, and he does what he wants. Yes, but he's he, that's the way he is back home, right? Like he Saudi kings are tre- they treat themselves as gods. They do what they want. They can get away with it, and uh, I I think it's gonna be. It's going to be interesting to see uh, that Canadian deal as well with uh, that we signed in back in uh, 2016 with uh, um, the the, those uh, tanks that we're selling mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. to Saudi Arabia. Um, they say it's like $15 billion worth of... Yeah, worth of uh, 14.8 billion, uh, yes. Ta- how about 14.8? There you go. And, I mean, well, it's really interesting how the government will go about this because liberals were not so happy with it. But they allowed it anyway, and now will that be like backfiring at us or not? That's also something that all, it's all over the news and people are talking about. I think, I think the public in, in general was not all that happy about it either. Yeah, that, there was there was an investigation that was done about it last year because some there was some criticism to the to the government for allowing these uh, these tanks to be exported to Saudi, mm-hmm. and so they they've they've made an investigation and they declared that there was no uh, evidence that the tanks were selling to them has been used in the war crimes in Yemen. So they know that Saudi is committing war crimes in Yemen. Oh, for sure. Uh, 
but they just said that the well, investigation said that our tanks weren't used. Oh yeah, that's to kind of give yourself but a nice the, clear, clear yes, conscience, right? At, at the same time, they wouldn't release the the report yeah. of the investigation. They just declared this is the this is the conclusion. That's the abstract of it. But they didn't want to release the details. Of yeah, I'm sure somebody for some reason. But after that, Freeland, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, uh, so uh, she uh, initiated this bill C47, and uh, what she wants to do is to amend. Uh, some uh, acts so that she would have more leverage to cancel uh, the export permits mm. of of weapons and and uh, and uh, and tanks to any country that's proven to be uh, committing war crimes. So she wants to expand her authority yeah. uh, to 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 freeze these kind of deals. And to me, that means that there was something in the report that they didn't like. Yeah, yeah. of course. And, but it was embarrassing because they know that they are not going to be able to actually stop the deal because it's been signed and they have to honor it. Uh, but they're trying to, I mean, to give themselves more authority to, to, to stop these kind of deals in the future. It's not like mm. they have somebody they have Mohammed somewhere in Saudi Arabia saying, oh, okay, well, let's send these tanks. Oh, well, hold on a sec. The, these are Canadian tanks. No, we cannot send them to Yemen. <laughs> send them down south somewhere else no. instead. It's yeah. like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, but gentlemen, bo- both of you guys uh, were lived in Egypt for a good chunk of your life. Uh, maybe I'll start with you, Majed, there. Um, sure. For the average Egyptian, you tell me, how does the average Egyptian feel about their neighbors, the, 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 the kingdom of Saudi Arabia? That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting question, Kev. Yeah. Um, well, I've I've been always on um, on a different side when it comes to political uh, views and political sides. Um, so I, I won't be representing an average Egyptian, to be honest. No but I would say that uh, people, there is a huge division, if, in my opinion, in between the Egyptian people when it comes to Saudi Arabia. Some, some people look at it um, as a sacred place, um, and some other people see, see the Saudis as uh, manipulative and uh, bullies and, and just making, what's the word, um, She's doing their best to get the the best out out of other nations, serving them, if you will. Yeah. Um, so the kingdom, like the kingdom's stances right now, have have been changing. Um, a lot of things have been changing lately within the Saudi government and the way they think, the way they behave. Um, and some radical Egyptians and I would say more religious people would look at this um, with with an eye roll, if you will. And others will see that this is progressive and going well. For me, Saudi Arabia is well. <laughs> it's it's not a it's not the best place to be. It's not it's not, <laughs> not a very good. Um, I, I call it the dark. I don't know what to say, man. I, I, every single word that comes to mind is not appropriate to be on. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you said plenty right there because uh, you uh, I think it, you, it's very clear like you said if half the population thinks it's a sacred place and people are divided along religious lines obviously yeah. I don't know if it's yeah. half there, it's very hard to get any statistics uh, from Egypt yeah. okay, well, the, because there isn't any half is probably not the the, yeah. the, the right percentage no. here, but I'm saying uh, if people are divided they're divided along they're divided. religious lines e- even among religious people there are two main groups in Egypt there is the the the, the Salafi groups and these would have; uh, these are the ones who would be looking at the Saudi Arabia as a sacred place and mm-hmm. as a holy place. And, yes, yeah. and because the because the Salafi or the Wahhabi uh, uh, ideology 
is coming from from there. Uh-huh. Uh, so all the religious clerks, uh, uh, the original ones for the for the Wahhabi movement, is from the Saudi, is from Saudi Arabia. Uh, but the other part of the religious uh, groups in Egypt is the Muslim Brotherhood. And these look at the Saudi Arabia kingdom as being evil because Saudi Arabia is against the Muslim Brotherhood. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And then there are those who are neither uh, Muslim Brotherhood fans nor Salafis. And these are also divided. Some of them uh, look at the Saudi Arabia as, as, a, um, as a supporter of the current president and the supporter of uh, sustaining the, uh, the status quo of the Egyptian system government. Mm-hmm. And so they look at it as the kind of the big brother or the big sister who supports with money. And then there are those others who consider it as evil, but not from a religious point of view, but from a, from a civic point of view. Well, so like uh, intervening in our... Yes. That politics. Yeah, they are the source of the uh, of the Salafi uh, uh, movement that kind of corrupted our uh, corrupted part of our social fabric. Uh, they consider it as evil intervening in in our uh, political uh, uh, movement as well. So yeah, there, I think there are four main uh, view, point of views. Wow, that Egyptians are divided. You have no idea how much I love this, Nancy. Can you imagine if Jim was here on top of this? I've been trying to find Jim because he's a lawyer in international trade and he's yes. Iranian and <clears throat> yeah. I would love to have all three of you guys just chat this out and I'm just going <laughs> to sit in the corner and just have like yeah, a and, and Iranians love Saudis <laughs> <laughs> they do Jim where are you buddy I'm trying to get a hold of you man it's like oh god that'd be I've, you guys you guys have blown my mind um, okay gentlemen let, let, let's say for example let's, let's I'm making you guys co-prime ministers, both of you guys, of the country tomorrow morning, okay? (laughs) Bing, bing. It's declared. Ahmed and Majed are in charge of the country Uh, when it comes to foreign trade and and, and all this stuff. What should... Which country? Our country, Canada. (laughs) Canada, of course. Canada. Okay, our country. Okay. Well, I can put you in charge of another country, but I don't have that authority. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) What should our government, in your opinion, do in this situation? Hmm. No, I think we should stand our ground. Yeah, I love this guy. <laughs> I think we should call on our allies to grow some balls and stand. Yes, with. I agree, hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. Because yeah, man. yeah, because this silence is is shameful, and it's yeah. it's all it because yeah. it's all because of the money. Like uh, the UK, for example, they are way bigger uh, exporters of, of, of weapons and, and military uh-huh. uh, uh, armory to the Saudi Arabian than we are. And their weapons are used in, in Yemen. Actually, they are helping wow. logistically with their army. The UK army is helping logistically the Saudis in their war in Yemen. So I think they are complicit in the war crimes that is going on over there. Damn. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, money always talks and yeah. it's, uh, yeah. uh, it's not, it's not going to be easy. And I think it's ironic when when a lot of countries go um, within, like, go to to the human rights um, thingy there and say, okay, we should support this. We should we sign treaties and we we are firm. We stand our grounds. And then when it comes to the real deal, when it comes to something that really happened, and you and someone that called uh, uh, Saudi. Saudis like bullshit out, and now we need this support. We need someone to say, "Well, yes, human rights should not be violated. Mm-hmm. This is a no-brainer." But no, 
they would shame away. So shame on them. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's ridiculous how how much they're sold out to the Saudis. If I'm not sure if you know this, a couple of years ago. Uh, the UN elected uh, Saudi yes. Arabia as a head of a woman, <laughs> women's right council in the it's UN. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so they are the head of women's right commission mm -hmm. in the UN, and they were voted for it by many countries, including the UK. Amazing, amazing. So... <laughs> oh, yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you telling me that the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is not very good when it comes to women's rights? Shocker! Shocker, I tell you! Wow. Yeah. <sighs> Didn't see that one coming. No, and, and there were also, the, uh, also there was a Saudi minister who was also appointed as a head of another commission that's also related to other aspects of human rights. So there are heads of two human rights commission in the UN. So that, that tells you everything. They're uh, totally sold Come out. on, they just... Just because they crucify a guy once in a while, <laughs> like they did last week, last Wednesday, just because they yeah. crucify that guy doesn't mean they don't know human rights, yeah. right? No. And, uh, oh, by the way... The no, just uh, other species of animals. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. Like Trump says, they're animals. They're not humans. <laughs> and by the way, uh, Samar Bedoui, who has been arrested, she is actually an American citizen. Oh, so is that's she? That's the irony. So we are standing up for a U.S. citizen. While the U.S. does nothing, does nothing, but they're raging war over Turkey for the pastor, but because he's a Christian. Actually, Trump yeah. tweeted about him, says our amazing Christian pastor. Uh -huh. maybe, you know, maybe that's what she needs to do. Yeah. Summer is just a, <laughs> yeah. She just needs to become a Christian. To convert, yes. Yeah, yeah. You bet. That, that, that's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> actually, that, that, actually, that, that would solve the problem. As, fu as funny as this is, yeah. if, I, if I were her, I would actually just not just fake Christian, it. but yeah, evangelical. Yeah, yeah. I would totally just fake <laughs> it and do it. I, I mean, had, I had a vision of. Jesus. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Jesus visited me. I was saved. I, I could talk. I could talk. Oh, Jesus Christ. And if that worked. It would. It, like, it undeniably 100% no, would pro, work. Probably not still, though, because she, she's still she's still a brown woman. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. But can yeah. you imagine but, her coming, like, if that all worked and she came back and be like, really? But also, and evangelicals like um, rehabilitation cases. Yeah. They're, they're a sucker for... Oh, this lesser person found Second, second chances, yeah, they're, they're suckers yeah. for that. Nancy, you get diplomatic contacts. Give me Washington. <laughs> <laughs> you you want Washington like on a no on no a, you on a, like no, okay, on I'm, a, I'm sorry you, you want Trump's head on a plate? Is yeah, 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 sorry, I'm sorry. You get it, not, it, not your assassin guild. Not your assassin guild. I mean the, the real politician. <laughs> <laughs> D diplomacy never worked for me. I just go straight for the weapons and get it over with. So. Well, I hereby announce that I don't know Nancy and never met her. <laughs> Do you mean everything we said to each other last night is no longer valid? Oh, God. Uh, hey. Oh, no, hey, hey, hey. Are you and Majid having some kind of pillow talk going on here? <laughs> Whoa. That's yeah, about Trump. Trump. <laughs> that's a turn off oh. <laughs> no, that's a safe word <laughs> oh, oh, okay so and everything instantly <laughs> yeah okay so gentlemen in conclusion for the average canadian that looks at this um is there something you'd recommend the average layperson do should we Boycott Saudi Arabia products. Like Should what? We... <laughs> Oil. I don't know. Should we? Actually, yes. I think he should. I love he, it. he should look for another oil source. Okay. 
Should, should, should we you would you recommend we write to our politicians and you know may make them uh, aware of our feelings as the average average person? Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I believe we should do that. Well, I know that the oil uh, the oil argument is probably is a is a long and maybe for a different show argument. But although I'm I'm totally on the liberal side, I would say I'm I'm a more of a central left mm-hmm. um, person. But anyways. Although I think that the environment should be protected and everything, um, I actually am for that line that goes line? from from Alberta the, the or from the west line. to the east. Yes, um, I'm totally for it, and I think yeah, this I is should. the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. But that that line has nothing to do with uh, with our local um, supply oil supply. Yeah. It's this 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 line is to refinery. Uh, yes, it, but this line is to for us to be able to export oil to countries other than the U.S. the The Alberta oil is not the same grade as the Saudi Arabia oil. It's it's uh, the Alberta it's, oil not. it's much harder to refine. Yeah, it's tar sand it's, oil. It's, it is. It's a different grade, and the the Saudi oil is much easier to refine and it's much cheaper. Uh, yeah, but they are not the only ones who who sell it. I, I love how you say different grade because I think of maple syrup. You know, I was like, oh, you just pour that over your pancake. It's yeah. a different grade again. It has a but bit stronger the, flavor this one. But at the end, as as you as we said before, that the, the amount of trade is not significant. We're not going to be able to hurt them. They won't. They're not going to be able to hurt us no. economically. So we should escalate this uh, on on an international level as a human rights. Issue. Yes. Yes. Like just make make louder make louder noise. Yeah. About yeah. It. Which is, which is which is going to be a good PR stunt for, for Trudeau in his next election, anyway. Yes. and I think that's why he was actually yeah. they were actually talking about it in the first place. Uh, it's it's for it's PR, it, it, but it's, it's, but it's just, okay. It would disgust me is I'm seeing conservative politicians right now, right away, and I said this in my rant last week. Right away, they're already trying to bend over for Saudi Arabia. They're already attacking Trudeau, saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe he's weak because yeah, like, he stood up to Saudi Arabia." How yeah, is like that? They the, literally tweeted a 9/11-esque picture at us. Yeah, <laughs> but these were not Canadians. No, no, the, the Saudi. Yeah, the Saudi. The Saudi. Yeah, there was yeah. a, it was not the Saudi. Uh, it was not the government of Saudi Arabia yeah. either. Between that, it was a no. group of. Saudi youth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we bombed Iraq. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this bomb Iraq. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> no, I think somebody, somebody should stand up to this. This new prince is trying to, to prove his, his new authority. He's trying to stand his ground. He's trying to, to show everybody that he's going to be tough. He's going to be ruthless. Uh, he's, he's showing not only the, the the other countries. He's also doing this for his internal mm-hmm. uh, PR show because he's trying to establish his new powers. Mm-hmm. He's still young. He, he doesn't have everybody's loyalty inside of the kingdom, so he's just trying to show uh, show himself off as a as a ruthless uh, lunatic, crazy who's gonna gonna do whatever it takes to to win. And somebody should stand up to this. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Thank yeah. you so much, gentlemen. I really, really appreciate you coming on uh, to explain that to us. Uh, Majed, you're always welcome back, my friend. It's always a thank pleasure. Thank you, Kev. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for this. And uh, Majed, if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Oh, they, they can definitely uh, go forward with my uh, Facebook page. Uh, not page. My Facebook profile, basically. It's Majed Solomon. You, they will search I actually don't know what's the extension of that guy. <laughs> Find my picture. I don't know. If yeah, send, send me a message. I'll, I'll pass you on. Just, <laughs> send me a picture. I'll, I'll pass you on. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, Thanks, man. Majid, my friend from Calgary, thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you so much, Kev. Thank you so much, everybody. I appreciate it. It's no, been it's a pleasure talking to you. Here. We ought to do this again so, on a uh, on a semi on a regular well, basis. I think we'll Absolutely. do it. We'll try, we'll, we must find Jim, and when we do, yeah. we'll bring him on board and bring you guys back. And this will be nothing but that. It'll be a fantastic, be an awesome yeah. threesome. <laughs> an awesome threesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a difficult, complex um, a question, and it's good to have experts that aren't filtered by the media in any any particular way to come on and explain it in ways we can understand so thank you for that all right well, thank you I'm, i don't think i'm an expert i just a man with opinion <laughs> <laughs> good enough my friend all right and that was majed our friend majed Suleiman. oh i always love to have majed on he lo- <laughs> the way that guy talks he's like you person he just says something out of the blue and it's hilarious okay Ahmed, you sticking with us for the rest of the show uh, i believe so perfect hopefully Oh. You don't pick me up. Great conversation. It's just, you know, there's just so so much that we we really don't know in, in terms of the background and how people feel, mm-hmm. and that just fills in so many gaps. Great, great way to to have our our program start off today. Yeah, exactly. All right, it's time to do another brilliant moment. Brought to you by religion. All right. First up, guys. I know what's wrong with the people that oppose Trump. You do? I found the problem. You they found the problem. Brains. Or somebody did. They're suffering from Trump derangement syndrome Trump. and are in need of an exorcism. <laughs> oh. I love this at I love last, this solution the to At that last, problem. a religious answer to a problem that doesn't exist. At last. <laughs> at least they are, according to your religious right activist and former Colorado state legislator, Gordon Klingenschmidt. Oh, that guy. Whoa. Klingenschmidt. I know, he's got that yes. weird name. Huh? It just reminds me of Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> Klingenschmidt. <laughs> I uh, know nothing, nothing. <laughs> as Klingenschmidt sees it, President Trump is being used by God, and those who oppose him must be controlled by demons. Definitely. <laughs> I'm sure those who suffer from Trump derangement syndrome look at the president and say, he must be demonized because he makes me feel so anxious inside, Klingenschmidt explained. But again, these are people who are deranged. So are they properly discerning the evil spirit inside of President Trump? So hold on a sec. So you're saying the deranged people think that Trump is deranged, and because they think Trump is deranged, that makes them deranged? Yes, and because of demons. Because of demons. Because they have yeah. demons inside them that are making any anxiety and there any bad feelings, making them feel that towards there we Trump. Go. Is, I, he in, is he engaged to the swishy lady? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the demons are inside him. I think the demon is, is in the form of the of her wig, of his wig. <laughs> the hair. Exactly. It's the the Photoshop blur of hair. The demon hair. on top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see the, the gag when they do The Simpsons and he wakes yes, up from the bed and he's bald and there's a dog that's like a shih tzu that sits on his head and it turns <laughs> it around and makes yeah. it in his head. <laughs> That's it. That's the demon. That was it's a demon yes. dog. <sighs> because of their derangement, because of the demons inside them, they project their anxiety onto someone else who might be causing their anxiety. But it's not inside the president. If anything, he might be influenced by the spirit of God sometimes. The demon is inside of those who welcome this fear and this anxiety. So if you feel anxiety, you're possessed. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I'm possessed then. <laughs> so that's how many people on the in the world? Everyone. Exactly. <laughs> We're all demon-possessed. I'm okay with that. So Demons God, have way more fun anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so if God didn't give you a spirit of fear and anxiety and derangement, but you're feeling the spirit of fear and anxiety and derangement inside of you, 
Is that coming from God, he asked? No, it's coming from the devil and the demonic spirit of fear inside of these people who have Trump derangement syndrome, and they may require an exorcism. Well, hold on a sec. Doesn't the Bible say fear the Lord all the time? But if don't God be doesn't give you that, of the Lord. okay, uh, yeah, okay. So, 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 be afraid, but not in an anxious exactly. way. Exactly. So, be afraid, but glad to be afraid. Oh. I'm so happy. I'm afraid of God now. Yep. Well, wait a minute. Do, do I detect a good business opportunity here to go into the exorcism? Business Exorcism slash pharmaceuticals. Exactly. Love that. To, It'll to be rid, to rid these people of the Trump derangement, um, because I don't see at the present time that there are enough exorcists to to uh, meet the need. So I'm yeah. thinking we better get our T-shirts and our swooshy lady. Yes. Um, Exorcism uh, in a bottle. Scabbard. Ready. Exactly. Yeah. That'll that'll, that'll be the brand name of the new anxiety medication. Exorcism. Want to go into business, Ahmed? I can bring some Arabic spells. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. Add, add it to our list of business business opportunities here, oh, Kevin. Of course. With making board games. Yes, absolutely. I think this uh, might be a franchise. And, 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 <laughs> and I guess we all get Shih Tzus because of... The, oh, oh, oh. You know, I have to. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> We're ready to roll. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. Yeah. Here we truck. go. Get that Trump mobile ready. We're off. <laughs> all right. All right. So moving on. You guys know how some school dress codes are kind of really weird or really yes. dumb or really stupid and they just kind of don't make sense? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. I love how the, the women are like, yes. And the guys are like, yeah, yes. Uh, I, Particularly I, because they're usually targeting women. I, I actually went. I actually went to Catholic school. I actually had to wear the dress code and the, the uniform and the little tie and everything. Believe it or not, me too. Oh, you do? I was in a Catholic school in Egypt. You, oh, you were in a Catholic school in Egypt? Yep. Oh wow! <laughs> All my school years, from kindergarten to you're high kidding school. me. Yep. You, you had told me you had told me some kind of Muslim school yeah, in Egypt. Oh. I would have said yes, but no, the no, Catholic no, school. It's Egypt? Catholic school for for everybody. It's for Muslims and for wow, Christians. wow. So actually, the, the majority of the Christians in the school were Orthodox, not Catholic. But it's part of the uh, Frère de la Salle, who is a, a French guy. Oh, cool. He's a French priest. Yeah, it's, they have schools all over the world. Wow. Yeah. It was actually a pretty good school. It's amazing. Sorry for interrupting you, dear. No it, worries. It was different from Catholic schools over here. It's not as vicious. <laughs> <laughs> so, a fundamentalist Christian school in Florida has denied admission to a six-year-old boy because he had dreadlocks. <gasps> proving once what? again that rigid biblical principles encourage discrimination and closed-mindedness. He's got dreadlocks, man. Yeah. He's evil. He's six. Uh, Books Christian Close to six, Academy. Six, six, six. One third already. <laughs> <laughs> but to have a mistress, you, you get a mulligan for that. Yeah. <laughs> If you're in the yeah. White House. A <laughs> exactly. uh, small private school turned the first grader away on the first day of classes due to his haircut. According to his father, Clinton Stanley Sr., the school's administrator, however, defended the move, saying that it's a standard Christian school rule and it hasn't kept other black children from enrolling there. Oh, so it's just a hair they have a problem with. Yeah, it's just the hair. Oh, thank God. They, right? they have dress code. They have like a code to go with the hair as well. What is it like you have to have like buzz cut like I, I don't know like what hair rule would exclude dreadlocks 
I see augmented with dreadlocks. Oh, I'm sure it has to do with hair <laughs> yeah, has with to the, be with the above, hair. you know, above the collar. I imagine it's something along those showing, lines, yeah, and so forth. So it's really easy to stick that we don't want black kids with dreadlocks in our school to kind of direct how you yeah, want. Yeah, because you know you see kids with with long dreads, you know, you might confuse them for a girl all of a sudden, right? And God knows. Um, and he <laughs> says, "I respect their rules, but it's not right," said Clinton Stanley, a senior. Allow kids to come as they are. You are a Christian school. In the Bible, it says, come as you are, he added. Yeah. You deny a kid education on his hair? Stanley used his cell phone to film his reaction as he took his son, dressed in the school uniform of navy pants, a button-down shirt, and tie, to the campus and was told the boy could not go to class without first getting a haircut. His video posted on Facebook early Monday has been viewed about 78,000 times and has pr- prompted thousands of comments, many supportive, but some also noting such hair rules are common in private religious schools or questioning why he chose the school. The rule is especially interesting because Jesus himself is often depicted with long hair. Yeah, that is interesting. And Leviticus actually warns men against cutting, cutting their, their hair, hair too much. <laughs> That well, is interesting. Well, it's interesting because it is a private school, yep. and they, I believe, have a right to do that. However, it is discriminate. I mean, uh, it's 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 it may end up in the courts. Do you think there's maybe a reason here because dreads are associated with Rastafarians, and it is a competing religion in a way, right? And I mean, if you see the picture of this little boy, like it's. It's not like crazy wild no, or no. anything like that. And they're not even no. ridiculously long. I think they come because, I mean, he's so young. He's, he's only, only six. six. They only come to like, they come above his shoulders. So yeah. they're not like crazy, long, flowing dreads. Well, congratulations, uh, school of whatever ADSE you guys are. You just taught a six-year-old what discrimination is right I, away. I honestly yeah, think I mean, the six-year-old six. might have already experienced no, discrimination. I, I would imagine that <laughs> he America. has... America. When, when his parents, you know... Braided the dreadlocks. He thought he looked cool. The yeah, parents approved. He thought he was great going to school on the first day. And I've so seen the, the, kid, the picture of the kid. He looks great. Yeah. He's, well, he's caught up in something that he has no—he has no idea what's going on. Yeah. All he knows is, for some reason, he's not acceptable in this new school that he had a lot of hopes about you know. making new friends and so forth. So it's all about it's all about the, the parents and the yeah. and the school at this point. And I mean to deny him education on the first day of school, that's literally like deny sending a girl home for having her bra straps showing. Sure, her education is important because oh my god, you can see her shoulders. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, to take, to, to be <laughs> devil's advocate, um, I wonder whether or not the parents do have an agenda at this point to highlight the fact that the school does not allow this because they had to be aware that in a private Christian school, dreadlocks were not the ordinary. Yeah, I imagine they would have had the dress hair, code. Yeah, hair code, or not hair code. Well, but, message yeah, to the parents. So solve yeah. all that. Just send your kid to a public school. That's it. Yeah. And the problem is some public schools in the states are act like yeah. horrendous. Because so the American to... education system is yeah, that's true. rock Sorry. bottom. I like to, uh, sometimes I project Canadian. Yeah, yeah. Can- Canadian education, public schools are really good. Most of them. Yeah. yeah but American public schools are like deteriorating and like falling apart. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, thank you, ladies. Certainly appreciate that. So let's take a quick pause. And when we come back, I'm going to pull out my rifle here. And uh, we'll be talking to Eli Bosnick. So stay with us. Steady arm, Kevin. 
And I think it should be religion treated with ridicule and hatred and contempt. And I claim that right. In the morning. Hi, everybody. This is Robert Stanley from the Right to Reason podcast. And if you subscribe now, you'll get free. Learn more about the broadcast at therighttoreason.com. All right, so we have a really special guest coming up, but my dear Nancy, I'm sorry I have to do this to what? you. What? What? What is? Oh, what is that? Oh, oh. tranquilizer darts. I'm sorry, dear. Oh. Girls, get her! Get her! You get the arm. I get the legs. Okay. Oh, 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 she's biting me. Get the duct tape. Get the duct tape. Get the duct tape. Get the duct tape. Perfect. Good. 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 Ow. Okay. Everybody okay? I got a few uh, claw marks on my arm. She bit me. It's that Kung Fu grip of hers. My arm, guys. I think we need to take out her dentures. Uh, I'm sorry, Nancy. We just just, just had to do that. I'm really, really sorry. But it's for your own good and it's for international relations. I'm so sorry. Okay. Now that that is done, we can uh, bring in our our guests. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, for the very first time in the history of Canadian podcasts, and maybe a podcast anywhere, I'd like to introduce to you, ladies and gentlemen, the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. It's terrible you got kicked off YouTube. I want to say right now, I think it's a terrible thing they did. They shouldn't have kicked you off YouTube. They shouldn't have kicked you off Facebook. I'm going to talk to Zuckerberg. You probably shouldn't have called him a dirty Jew, but I'm going to have words. I'm going to tell you right now, Alex. I'm going to do my very best. I certainly appreciate that, Mr. President, and uh, we, we really thank you for being here, especially for the benefit of our, uh, our both our countries. Um, uh, Mr. Trump, uh, we all know that uh, you uh, have a vast intellect, and I thought maybe for our audience, you would love to participate with us in a little pop quiz. A pop qu- I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm the best at pop quizzes. I take all the pop quizzes. I pop them every time. Now I'm going to need a needle and a donkey and three balloons. I did this at Eric's fourth birthday party. It went so well. I mean, Eric cried the whole time, but I forget he's my son sometimes. So what are you going to do? You know what I'm saying? I'm ready. So just give me a needle. And a, and a thread. Perfect, perfect. Now, this is uh, based on a, a little podcast uh, show that we love called Citation Needed. And uh, Ooh, it's a wonderful little That podcast. sounds like not a lot of people listen to it. No, well, you know, it's actually quite a good podcast. I encourage a lot of people to listen to it. Maybe you should give it a try, Mr. President. Um, question the first. Um, now, we all know that for the President of the United States, security is a big, big issue. Now, the... the uh, the Secret Service does have code names, and of course, the safety of the First Lady is of prime importance. Oh, absolutely. Super care about. Um... Oh, God, it's on the tip of my tongue. Melania. Melania. Right, absolutely. Right, Malala. Right. right. So, she got shot in that face by the Taliban then. <laughs> you guys see that episode of the Flintstones? It was weird. Yes, it was, it was very weird. <laughs> anyway, security for Malala. 
the, the code name for Melania from the Secret Service? Is it A, Lady Marmalade? Is it B, Escape Shawshank Skank? Is it C, Really Don't Care Bear? Or is it D, The Other White Meat? Okay, so I know it's not D because that's what I call her. That's a little fun thing between us. I know it's not B because that's what Antifa yells at her. I'm going to go with A. Is it A? It is A, of course. Of course. I got it right, 100% correct. Fantastic. Just, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm tweeting about this right now. <laughs> According to recent polls, I am 100% correct. Absolutely. 100% of the time. Sent. No. Sorry. You were saying, Alex? Of course. Now, of course, we all know that you have a trade war going on with uh, Canada. These oh, it's Canadians. a terrible thing. It's a yeah. terrible thing that Canada's doing to us. I don't know if you know this, but their prime minister over there, he cheated. We were having an arm wrestle, and he cheated. He used his other hand at the same time. And I told Mike that he's lucky because I was going to use my karate. Oh. I was going to use my karate, yeah, because Benny Nahu showed me some stuff. Oh. I was going to go crap a guy. Grab you see these moves? I don't know if my camera's like, come on, we got, come on, we got. Well, well, the the public might not know why the the President of the United States declared a a trade war with Canada. Was it A, because you had stomach indigestion due to a poutine? Was it B, because you were jealous of Justin Trudeau's hair? Was it C, because there's a tape of a Canadian prostitute with maple syrup? Or was it D, because the hungry look Ivanka gave to Justin? Uh, I'm definitely going to go with D. It's the hungry look Ivanka gave to Chester. I just want to say right now, it was very inappropriate. And the prostitute with the maple syrup, that was just a nice welcoming gift. The fact that Chester didn't take me up on it, that's his business, not mine. I totally agree. I totally agree, Mr. President. Okay, third question, third and final question. You're doing fantastic so far. We are basking in the glow of your intellect, sir. Thank you. Um, Donald Trump has, of course, he's uh, doing a fantastic job as president. He also needs some relaxed time. He needs to relax. He needs to have a couple of pastime hobbies. What are Donald Trump's hobbies? A, does he like to enjoy King Jong Udon noodles? B, does he like to listen to Ra Ra Rasputin by Boney M? C, does he have stormy discussion in the oral office? Or D, does he like to ignore Puerto Rico culture altogether? Oh, 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 it's that last one. It's that last one. I don't want to play that board game. Everyone always keeps saying, oh, we should play that board game. Play that board game. That board game lost all its power. It's boring. I don't want to play that board game. Fantastic. Mr. President, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and being with us today. I know you're a very busy man. I know your time is limited. So we will let you go, and hopefully our countries can establish better relations in the future. Thank you. I love it when countries rub together. (laughs) And that was the 45th president of the United States. In case you didn't know who actually that was, that was, of course, our friend, Eli Bosnick. Eli, thank you so much for coming on the show. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. I had a hard time going through the questions. (laughs) (laughs) I thought my questions, I thought my answers were funny, but you you just... Trump me nonetheless. They were fantastic. <laughs> I had to mute myself while you were reading. <laughs> Eli, uh, this is the third time on our show. We always love to have you. Um, and you, of course, south of the 49th, and worldwide now, you're very well known, but you might not be as well known up here, up to the 49th. Maybe you'll give us a quick bio as to who Eli Bosnick is. Uh, so I'm a podcaster and comedian. I have three shows, The Scathing Atheist, God Awful Movies, Citation Needed, and The Skeptocrat. And if you thought to yourself that's four shows, another thing about me is I'm not very good at math. So there you go. <laughs> shared, shared a few things. <laughs> Eli, 
Oh, I, I can't I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today, but I wanted to turn the conversation a bit more serious. I want to talk about comedy because you're probably one of the funniest guys I know by far. And I love I love the, the, the work you do with the other guys from Puzzle and a Thunderstorm. And if you guys have not listened to his shows, you absolutely must. It's an absolute must. I listen to their shows actually more than I listen to my own. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Eli, I wanted to talk today about comedy because um, it's... Uh, it seems to me like the especially in the current political um landscape that we have comedy has become almost a vital thing would you say absolutely and it, it's it gets um underrated how powerful comedy is and how important it is and we sort of in the post daily show era take uh, for granted the idea that like comedy can speak truth to power but pre John Stewart and I, I can't really speak to the Daily Show right now I, I don't really watch it but pre John Stewart we didn't have outlets like that and and Stewart while he kind of gets ignored I mean we all know he was funny and we all know the Daily Show was great mm -hmm. really opened the door to a, a level of political commentary that is carried on by people like John Oliver today and that we try to do even a little bit on our shows yeah it's a I was that was my next follow-up question you really think this uh, this uh, for lack of a better term maybe this revolution in comedy and 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 uh, speaking a word, a word to power actually started with the Daily Show yeah, I mean, I, I think I, it didn't start with The Daily Show. I mean, you can trace it back to Lenny Bruce and, you know, George Carlin and those guys. But as far as entering the mainstream, I think that... Uh I think that Jon Stewart really doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. Mm. I, I think he opened it up to the idea. I think he opened a lot of shows up to the idea that, hey, you can be a full-time news show. And obviously it's based on a Saturday Night Live bit. But you can be a full-time news show promoting the show reporting the news in a way that's funny and in a way that educates people at the same time. And I think it is absolutely vital for us to acknowledge that the show that came on just after South Park created a generation of educated voters and consumers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But isn't it an odd thing? Because you're a comedian, and I'm assuming I'm assuming here, you'll, you'll be able to tell me, that when you decide to go into comedy, you didn't decide to do this to be political. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because I'm very lucky in that I come in a post John Stewart, George Carlin, Lenny Bruce, Andy Kaufman world. And so it's a lot easier for me to have seen a path where I'd have to be speaking about the real world um, than it probably was for comics before me. Um, you know, one of the comedians' careers that I think is really interesting to watch is Patton Oswalt. He's sort of the creator of the alt-comedy scene. And, and he flies a little bit under the radar in much the same way that Stewart does as just, like, a super funny guy. But if you watch the formation of Oswalt's career from, you know, Werewolves and Silly Putty all the way up to Annihilation today, it's, it is about comedy that no longer becomes about observation and becomes about change. Mm. And I, I think that's a great goal for us to strive for even if we don't always hit it as performers. Okay, well, that's interesting. So, so, so now, of course, comedians uh, have become a bit like the, the the guardians of the moral conscience of the, the of the public. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, and I mean, I I do want to say here because some people are going to be like, "Hey, dude, have you ever heard of Pagliacci?" And it's true. Like, comedy and the fool and the gesture has. 
comedy and the fool and the jester have always stood that role sort of throughout time is that they're the ones who can speak truth to power. But I think now, especially as I will say the United States is experiencing sort of a breakdown of their flawed system for the first time in this generation's political memory, mm-hmm. uh, that becomes all the more important. Yeah, that, that people pick up that man, that people pick up that mantle. I, I don't think it's a new thing by any means, but I do think it's an important one. I, th- I really think that the way we're going to get through this is a combination of comedians and investigative journalism and the free press. I think those are the two release valves that tell us that sanity still exists and somehow we're going to right this ship which at this point is taking on too much water and and you know drowning the truth mm-hmm. um, in, in in fake news. So mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm happy that you're talking about truth to power because I think you you've really nailed what's what's important, especially at at this rotten political time. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, Eli, as a comedian who's on, obviously on the forefront of all these battles, what do you feel United States of America need to do to uh, get back to a, a state where they were before? You know, where, where the Walter Cronkites could be actually without being called without calling up fake news. Well, you know, where where you can actually trust your local your local news source. What do you think needs to be done? Yeah, well, so first of all, a little, uh, just to be slight, I don't think I'm on the forefront of, of it in the same way that people like Trevor Noah and certain <laughs> other more prominent comedians are. Um, but, but I am in the tiny corner of the world that I inhabit. And honestly, I think one thing that is important, and this is going to seem slightly like a dodge, is to understand that this is not the first time this has happened to my country. This is not the first time this has happened in the United States. It's bad. It's really, really bad, and we can care about it, and we can fight against it, but, like, the post-'80s, you know, backlash that took the form of Ronald Reagan Mm -hmm. is essentially what we're going through again we're going through a a dumber post mtv2 jersey shore family reunion version of it but (laughs) it's not new for you know uh, several years of progressivism to be followed by a weird right-wing regressive backlash and and I, i think as comedians and just as American citizens, although you're not, but I think internationally as well, it's important for us to remember that like the world isn't going to come crashing down, especially if we're you know vigilant and we're fighting and we're working hard. There are good things that can still be done within bad structures, especially when there are bad people at the top. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the the only reason I mention it is that because I think it's easy when we're in frameworks like this and when we're in historical moments like this, it's very easy to feel helpless, right? It's very easy to feel sort of lost. Um, But the small changes that you can make as a person, the small kindnesses you can do, the small charities that you can create in your life, the things that you can do to make the world a better place, those are still there. And they're still very concrete. And I think it's important over this next couple of years, or however long he lasts in office, for us not to forget that. That it is important to fight, that it is important to keep on message, and and not to get weighed down under this torrent of bullshit and new scandals. But at the same time, to recognize that what you do here and now is enough and and is okay is is good even if you don't change the whole world with what you do mm-hmm. do you think that we've somehow changed the world in that sense that maybe the comic now has replaced 
the journalists in a way? Do you think it's going to be the new norm even after things come back down from Trump and Stan? I, you know, I don't think so. I don't think it's the new norm. I think that, you know, the world will settle, um, as things always do. You know, whoever replaces Trump, and I, I do think he's going to lose in 2020, and I think he'll lose to a relatively sort of centrist Democrat in my country. It's just sort of the way things tend to balance out. And I think things will go back to relative normalcy in the way that we saw with, you know, Obama after, you know, Bush Jr., mm-hmm. etc. I think what might change and certainly what i hope changes is the participation in local government elections yes. that america has been lasting that america has been lacking i think we might gain uh not just in this year in our coming election up in november but i think that my generation i really only could speak for myself my generation has learned the importance of every single vote mm-hmm. of every single election over these last couple of years and i think that will make our entire ruling system not perfect but better i certainly hope you're right um you know the uh, late great christopher hitchens used to say that laughter was the beginning of emancipation um, is there anything as a comedian you see today you wish a, a, a topic that we should tackle even more? Yeah, I mean, I want us to be able, so uh, this is going to speak to a slightly different direction. I want the left, uh, and I know that's such a broad term and it gets abused and abused. I want the left and liberals and left-leaning people to feel free to laugh at ourselves mm. a bit more. You know, we're facing such a a bad dude. We're facing such a series of bad dudes that it's hard sometimes to remember that we have our own silly, that we have our own foibles, uh, and that we're going to make mistakes, that we're going to be foolish, and we're going to act foolish, we're going to say foolish things, and to laugh at ourselves, to know when we're wrong, and to accept it and move forward from it, I think is going to be a vital tool when we get back into power. Uh, Because if we don't, if, if we're not as willing to mock ourselves and laugh at ourselves and check in and see what we are doing when we gain that power back. I'm not going to say we'd be just as bad as the other side because we're not white supremacists marching through the streets of Charlottesville trying to murder people, but we are, we are capable of forgetting the people that become disenfranchised when we're in power and mm. seeing another backlash. So, I mean, that, I guess the very, very long answer I'm giving is I, the thing I want us to laugh at more is ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, you come to the right show because it's yeah, sure it's I, called Left of the Valley and they laugh at the old time. As I said before, I really think that that comedy and comedians do help us save our sanity in so many ways because mm-hmm. when something makes us laugh, it also releases a lot of tension. It lets fresh air in. It 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 makes people vulnerable and vulnerable in a way that they can say, you know, this really isn't so bad. Maybe I can see the humor. Maybe I can see some optimism in this. And I think it's easier for people to move forward, whether they're laughing at a political comedian or they're watching Bugs Bunny. It really doesn't make any difference. The I think, and you can tell me whether or not you agree with me on this, Eli. I think it just allows that moment of, ah, there's something in the world that can make me laugh, so all is not as bad as it appears. And it's vital that we experience that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. 
Yeah, I totally see a, uh, feel a connection between you and Eli, Nancy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a Jewish thing. It's oh, a Jewish you, you might not know Eli. Nancy is actually the wandering Jew of legend. Oh, you found a Canadian Jew. No, no, she, she, used, to, she used to be American, but no, now she's Canadian. She decided to... Oh, you had to import one. You didn't have a homegrown one. She had to import one. I get it. Yeah, it happens. That's why he keeps me on the show. I'm old, <laughs> I'm old and I'm Jewish, so I take up a lot of token, you know, uh, places. On, yeah, I'm on the, the young team. Jew on my show. I get it, Nancy. You and me. You and yeah. me. We're filling out demographic <laughs> cards on our shows. <laughs> I think I want to see somebody Photoshop a, a, a Freudian couch with Eli Bosnick as being the psychiatrist. <laughs> you know, my psychiatrist is Eli Bosnick and put that on a button or something. <laughs> I think well, I, I think I think Eli and I do share because Jewish humor has been the soul in many ways of Judaism because it, it, it's been in moments of the greatest tragedy and greatest upheaval that Jews have managed to work in a joke, have managed to laugh at themselves. I mean, I think it's something in, intrinsic, and it does help to get to get through the day, the minute, the week, and and think. Okay, we're laughing at ourselves. I, I, what can be so terrible? I think exactly. That's a, I think that's a good question to ask Eli. Eli, do you yeah. think your cultural heritage uh, informs a lot of your comedy? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that's. I think she's spot on. I mean, you know, Jew, Jewish humor is its own category of humor. You know that what what sort of stand ups and formal comedians call street jokes. So many of them are just Jewish things. I mean, Nancy, I can't speak to your experience, but like. When I was growing up, me and my dad would just back and forth with street jokes, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. If you sit around with Jews and go like, all right, let's hear some jokes, they have like 20. And, I, and not that non-Jews don't know jokes or aren't very funny. I mean, some of the best comedians ever have been non-Jews, but it isn't integral to the culture in the same way that it is with Jews. It's not integral to the art, to the literature, to the mm. poetry, to the music. I mean, there is humor infused into everything culturally Jewish, from from prayer services all the way to some of our most serious works of literature. There's always that undercurrent of humor. Okay. Oh, absolutely. In, in our family, it wasn't who was the brightest or who had the most information. It was who gave the best one-liner spontaneously, <laughs> you know, in, in any gathering or, or, you know, or who was the funniest and, and who made us laugh the, 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 the longest and the, and the hardest. So it, we, Eli and I could, could easily switch places and feel at home in each other's uh, family. There's just no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and that's the other thing too is it it is an appropriated family for a lot of our culture. You know, being Jewish, and, and this is something that you know, as atheists, I don't think um, we get to talk about quite enough. But being Jewish is communal in a way that uh, is hard to explain to non-Jews because mm -hmm. there is such a history of being separated, of being murdered of having to escape to new places and make your way on your own. I mean, I don't know a lot of Jews who immigrated to America who's came with their whole family. I mean, my my great-grandfather used to tell us this story about how he, you know, got on the boat, his family pooled all their money, he got on the boat and he had to sleep on the straw, and they didn't give them any food, so he started to eat the straw, 
And when he told this story to me as a, as a little kid, I cried because it was just horrible, the thought of my great-grandfather eating straw to survive. And he goes, no, 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 it tasted like chop suey. It was delicious. Oh, I want that straw again. Let me tell you, it's so delicious, right? And so from tragedy is born comedy. And, and that that's carried down, you know, generation to generation to generation to us. Okay, I'm going to pause you for a second because Christina just walked in. Hi, Christina. Hello. Uh, you've been, hey. <laughs> we've been waiting for you. We were talking about the I, Holocaust. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best subject. Not that you had anything to do with that, Christina. Don't worry about it. No. It's not about you. No. That was Nancy. Not me. <laughs> yeah, Nancy. <laughs> yeah, she was there for everything. Yep. All right, so uh, let's keep going the recording. You want to go and ask a question while you're there? What? No, no, no. No? I'll just listen. No, let's all just wait that? until she has a question. Like, yeah. Let's just get you super quiet. Let's put you on the spot. It's all uh, on you, Christina. Quiet. We're mad. We're mad. I just want you okay. to know we're mad. Like, it's not a big deal. How, how did you like Nanette on Netflix? There, my question. What the hell is that? Ah, okay, so here's the thing about Nanette. Nanette was an incredibly powerful artistic experience for a lot of people, and she spoke about an experience that I don't share. Uh, she spoke about queerness and being a woman and being a victim and being an outsider, which are experiences that as a white straight looking you know dude in a psi relationship i can't fathom and yet at the very end she speaks to something that i think is very close to me which is comedy and and you actually already put it super duper well when you said that uh, it releases that tension right and she addresses this in the net she says you know that the job of the comedian is we set up that tension and then we relieve it we set up that tension and we relieve it and at the end of her show as much as i admired it she doesn't relieve the tension at the end and it's on purpose it's it's not like she fails right to do that it's a very purposeful choice that she makes as a performer and it's a powerful choice it's an interesting choice but as a comedian i was struck not necessarily by the message but by the subversion the trust we're given by our audience when we fail to deliver that release of tension. And I think it's purposeful. Again, it's, it's not like she failed in any way, shape, or form. But I found myself, I'm sure there's lots of straight-looking white dudes out there who didn't like the fact that she called out straight white men. And, and to me, that was sort of neither here nor there. I thought she made some valid points. There were some points I had questions about. She was talking about her experience. It wasn't really my place to comment on that. But as a comedian, the thing that I was the most uncomfortable with was that lack of release, was the fact that she took this format, which is so based on trust, so based on a mutual understanding, and she subverted it. I think it was brave. I think it was daring. It was obviously incredibly powerful. But as an artist... I don't know that it's for me. Hmm. So I, I think it was an amazing special. I think she did amazing art. But I don't know. To me, that 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 transformation of the relationship is fascinating. And I, I won't necessarily say I think it's right or I think it's wrong. She's an artist. She does her own thing. I will say it made me incredibly uncomfortable. That was the thing in the special that Eli really rocked. Uncomfortable? <laughs> I don't know, sir. I call balderdash there. I've seen you walk on stage with no pants on. I I really don't see what can make you more uncomfortable. Yeah, I'll walk on stage without pants a thousand times as long as I get to get the fucking laughs, you know? <laughs> get the fucking laughs. Speaking of getting the laughs, uh, Eli, uh, now 
you and the boys are traveling all, all, also abroad to do your show. Have you noticed maybe a difference between the cultures and how they react to humor? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, what our fans view us as changes so much from place to place where we go. You know, it, it's funny. We've become... When we make our show, and, and still when we create our show, we're the dick joke guys. We, we make dick jokes, fun dick jokes, and throughout it, largely through Noah and Heath's example, there's been an undercurrent of, hey, this is a community, you're welcome here, you're loved here, you're safe here, no matter who you are or what you are, you know, men, women, other identifying people, gay, straight, all that, all that good stuff, black, white, we, you know, we're, we're welcoming to all, but that's always been the undercurrent to us, and fortunately or honestly unfortunately that's kind of rare in our particular corner of the universe so for a lot of people we're less the dick joke guys and more the guys who told them it was okay to be a feminist or it was okay to be black and queer and that you were welcome into our community so it's it's a weird line to walk because, I mean, look, some people want me to jump out in my underwear with my ass cheeks cut out of whatever outfit I'm wearing and be like, I'm going to fuck up, and then someone interrupts <laughs> me, right? That's what they want from me, and they enjoy it, and they're, they're at the chuckle hut. But then there are people who are like, you're the first person I ever listened to talk about having depression, or you're the first person I came out to with my real gender identity. Mm. And that burden is incredible and and then the trust that people place in us is you know awe-inspiring and and the best we can do sort of as we travel around entirely at the privilege of people who come out and see us and think we are worth you know the money for a ticket is to serve that well mm -hmm. but it's it's a heavier i'll tell you it is a heavier burden than get the fucking laughs i've always been comfortable getting the fucking laughs i'm not always comfortable being the person who tells them it's okay to be trans i'm like don't you want to talk to a grown-up i really i'm just gonna tuck my balls and to my butt cheeks if you could go talk to a grown-up i feel like i'm not i'm, really, I'm not a grown-up go talk to one of the adults the comments of eli bosick are not necessarily those of left of the valley subsidiary <laughs> temple either <laughs> oh my god oh boy okay so, so let me get this straight here you, you you're saying that when you go abroad people are looking at you guys more more as to a safe haven than the actual like, like instead of, of comedy really yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely part of the comedy. Yeah, I mean, we are definitely comedians. They're not like, hey, you're the, you know, you're not, we're, I don't think we're anyone's Richard Dawkins. I don't think we're anyone's Hitch. I mean, Noah's probably some people's Hitch. But <laughs> I do think that for a lot of people, uh, based on the feedback that we get, we are the first place where it's comedy, it's fun, it's yuck yucks, it's dick jokes, and Eli being wacky, but there is an undercurrent that they are safe and that they are welcome and that they are loved. And when people present you with that, when people take you to the side, which happens to me every time we do a live event, it's going to happen to me, we're doing a live show this week, it's going to happen, someone's going to pull me aside and they're going to tell me about something incredibly heavy and incredibly personal that I helped them through with my wacky movie review show, and it's, it is mind-blowing, it's an honor, but it's mind-blowing. 
But doesn't that validate everything that we've been saying up to this time, that comedy has this place in society that gives us that release and gives us that freedom, you know, to feel it's okay to be myself and to embrace you for allowing that to happen? I mean, that's exactly what we've been saying, and and you're living proof of it. Yeah, I totally agree. There's a, there's a story that I tell all the time because it blew my face off. And, and I'm sure this girl was just like writing a nice note, but it blew my mind. This girl wrote us and she was like, hey, I'm one year out of the Mormon church. I'm sort of negotiating that I'm not Mormon anymore with my parents. I was listening to your first ever Mormon movie month and you guys were listening to Johnny Lingo. Uh, you guys were reviewing Johnny Lingo, a movie that I had grown up on. And you all talked about how sexist it was. And I realized that you were the first men in my life life who had your who had used the term sexist and meant it Mm. and i just thought like what what an incredibly strong person to make it through that much challenge and what a gift for us to be able to welcome her into a world where she knows like hey come here you're safe here we get it we're with you you know, and, and, but that that message again, just I'm sure it was just a nice note somebody wrote, just blew me away, blew blew me away that I would have anything close to that effect. Because again, when you're the clown, you want people to be like, I liked when you took that pie in the face. You don't want people to be like, you saved my life. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, actually, it's it's very deep. I, I'm 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 quite touched by that story. That's pretty amazing. Um, Eli, a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed Seth Andrews, and a couple of weeks before that, we interviewed Arn Raw, and we asked him a question, and I, I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, if you look, take a look back at the past 10 years, and you look at atheism, have we progressed as a movement? Are we falling backwards? Are we, where do you see us going? Oh, I, th- I think we've progressed tremendous amounts. I think we've progressed so much, it feels like we've regressed. You know, for those of us who were, you know, atheists just after 9-11 or for those of us who were atheists in sort of the beginning of YouTube when, you know, a largely the Internet atheist community was in the comments section of YouTube or, you know, speaking of Seth Andrews, in the thinking atheist website, you know, in those message boards, right? Mm -hmm. For those of us who were early in, in atheism, it was... A small community with very few people. You know, one of the things that people talk about a lot that I think we tend to underestimate as a community is that atheism really used to be sort of the penchant of the academic, of the philosopher. You know, there were casual atheists, there were nuns, there have always been nuns, but the idea of active atheism was like active anti-racism, right? It just didn't really exist as a social justice movement. But now... We've expanded, right? We've expanded, and a lot of our voices that were with us early on in the movement, especially in the movement of new atheism, have gone in different directions. Not all of them good, not to name names, but not all of them have made the best choices. Not all of them have the best ideas anymore. But I think that's because our movement has grown, you know? And and to to those, and, and I think the core of your question is, have we gone backwards because sometimes in our corner of the in the in our corner of the movement which is internet atheism it can feel really toxic it can feel really poisonous and the answer i give to that is come to a live show come to a convention and see that that community that community that you think is lost is still there 
mm. is still there and is largely unanimous in in good and in good and you know what's the word I'm looking for? Give me one second. I'm gonna naked. <laughs> in good and forward thinking, right? We we really are still a, ve- a very forward thinking group, and I think we're moving forward um, despite our growth pains and despite the fact that. As large as a group as we've become, we've inherited some assholes, and yeah. maybe a few of us have turned into assholes. No. Not naming names. <laughs> He's looking at me when he's saying that. <laughs> no, I have to completely agree with you because uh, you know uh, you could tell because just just by the the way the Christians and the Muslims, for example, are doubling down their attacks on atheism. Right, uh, twenty years ago, you never would have seen atheism on TV. Uh, you know, with a full debate. You know, so now it is so. Excellent, Eli. Um, what's coming? What's coming down the pipe for you guys? For the guys that puzzle in a, in a thunderstorm. Oh my goodness! Well, we have a live show in Chicago Woo-hoo. this coming Saturday, the eleventh. Uh, I would tell you about the Platinum Night, except it's sold out. I would tell you about the <laughs> VIP tickets, except they're sold out. Uh, what what we do have is uh, the regular show tickets, uh, and you can check those out on our website or just by Googling God Awful Movies Live in Chicago. That'll come right up. You can come see us. Oh, no, it's not God Awful Movies. It's yeah. Citation Needed yeah. Live in Citation Chicago. Citation Needed. <laughs> live in Chicago with Tom and Cecil from the Cognitive Dissonance Podcast. We've got a ton of fun planned. It's, it's going to be an absolute blast. So Google Citation Needed Live in Chicago. We have a live show coming up in October in London, which we have not sold a lot of tickets to, so if you're in England or can reach England, get get there, because otherwise we can't afford to come home. <laughs> we won't be forced to live there. Um, and uh, let's see, what else? You can check out all of our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts live. Mm-hmm. And I also have a blog, which I haven't updated in a while, but I have it. It exists. Yes. <laughs> and it's and really it- good. <laughs> you flatter me. Maybe maybe you should send me the uh, the the coordinates for your blog. We'll pull that in the show notes. Mm. Is there any chance? We, is there any chance we're going to see uh, the 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 crew at uh, come up here to Canada any uh, any time in the future? So here's the thing: we have a ton of people who have been like, "Come do a show in Canada," and our answer is always, "Fucking where? You're the biggest goddamn." <laughs> and, all, and the thing is. When I go to when I go to a ta- Toronto Canadian and I go, hey, we're thinking about doing a show in Vancouver. They're like, oh no, fuck Vancouver. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Vancouver, okay? They have a dog there. It's a big old dog, and it'll eat you. It'll eat you right on the street. I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to come to Toronto. We've got marijuana. You'll act like the whole country didn't legalize marijuana. We got marijuana. There's a great vegan place. My cousin went there. I've never been because I like food. But my cousin's been to this vegan place. He says it's fine. So the problem is, if we do one Canadian show, we have to do 11. And my worry is we have 11 Canadian listeners. Like, it's just going to be me and you guys sitting at the first live show and you guys being like, woo! Yeah. Hey, that sounds Canada perfect. Show. That sounds perfect to us. Just, are, you, you know. are you trying to say we're not enough for you? <laughs> oh, my microphone is broken. My microphone is broken. I'm going to add some sad violin music in the background as soon as this is done. 
Well, just 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 wash that all out of your mind and come to Vancouver. Just don't listen to anybody else. Listen to us. You trust us. We love you. We wouldn't steer you wrong. Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver. That's the only place to go. I got that's it. it. The, the, yeah. pe- the people from Seattle will join us up here anyway. We're just two totally. and a half hours north of Seattle. Yeah, we went to Seattle downtown last last time, right? So hey. Yeah, I, I mean, we would love to come do a Canadian show. The other thing is, we need to figure out how to like legally do that because yeah. you can't just stroll in and be like, "I'm gonna charge people some money for stuff." That cool? <laughs> We'd probably be like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> just, just give them a joint as you're doing it, right? Exactly. Y'all in a trade war after all. Oh, <laughs> uh, Eli, if, uh, thank you so much for doing this for us today. I really, really appreciate that. But if uh, people want to find out, uh, they want to get in touch with you and the boys at Puzzle and the Thorn Store, where can they find you? Uh, again, all of our podcasts, God Awful Movies, Citation Needed, The Scathing Atheist, and The Skeptocrat are on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts live. Fantastic. Before I let you go, Eli, can we have uh, Mr. Trump say, Hi, I'm Donald Trump, and I took a left to the valley. Hi, I'm Donald Trump, and I took a rip. Wait, which one second? I had to put my hands up here. I did it. That one's the L. Okay, I took a left at the valley. <laughs> And that was Eli Bosnick. Oh, what can you say about the guy? I'm he makes re- me laugh. He's so hilarious. Oh, yes. I'm he, in reco- he makes me laugh in my worst depression. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm in recovery. Yes, yes. You, you, you're okay. The, the tranquilizer's probably wore off by now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think it's uh, it's always interesting to see what the, this guy has to say. And you know what? I'm always impressed by, no matter how much he is a comedian, He's also very deep and very knowledgeable about other things. He's not just a joker. No. Yeah. So, well, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Guys, Ahmed, thank you so much for being here, bud. My pleasure. Excellent. You can find us at leftofthevalley.com. You can find us on uh, Facebook, on uh, Twitter, on uh, at LATV Podcast. Send us an email, leftatvalley at outlook.com. You can give us a five-star review wherever you find us. That really helps other people find the show. And let's face it, it helps us too. Uh, Coming up, what do we got? Where's my... What's my thing? So much. There's so much coming up. There's so much coming up. My okay. stuff. <laughs> Many days. <laughs> Many days. So next uh, next uh, week we'll be talking to Godless Cranium, a YouTuber. Oh, yeah. That'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the September, we'll be talking to Godless Engineer. Lots of godlessness coming up. A lot of godlessness coming on <laughs> the pipe there. And we'll also be talking to Reality Rules, Stephen Woodworth. Nice. Wow. He'll be talking to him. And we'll also be talking to a couple of ladies that will do their own podcast. Podcast call, podcast call, Forsaking Faith. Ooh. So we got lots of stuff coming down yeah, the pipe, we and we're working on a lot more stuff. So exciting, yeah, buddy. Whenever you want to come back, you come back, man. Yes, I, oh, I don't, I don't see you often enough. I miss you, man. No, that was fun. I'll definitely be here more. <laughs> oh, dude, I'd have you here every week. Well, when you move to Mission, you might be able to do that. Actually, you know what? I'm the only guy here now, so I need another male, you know, to help against the onslaught of estrogen I've got in the room. Are you feeling a little outnumbered there, Kev? Yeah, I am feeling a bit outnumbered a bit. Uh, Thank goodness I've got Manly Man Augment here with me. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys. Until next time. You don't see the mess that she leaves behind.
Hey, I'm recording. Oh, you are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm recording. I'm recording all that. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.